Greetings, everyone. This is a Sound Health Options show with Richard Talk to Me Guy. And Sherry Edwards is off still building that portal. It's a project. Portal is coming along smashingly. I'm so excited to see the, the development that's happening with the soundhealthportal.com because it really is so nice to be able to just go online and do it. It's so powerful. Go onto your computer. You have a small portable like the Samsung microphone, which is not a big deal, not horribly expensive, under $40, and talk to the microphone to be able to record people's voices or your own voice and do a vocal print and run it through the program. And It's really so exciting to have that ability to do it online and generate amazing amounts of information. And Sherry's really working on it, really getting it developed and more robust. Every time I look, it's more robust. <laughs> and it's really, there's some charts now that throw up enough information that it's really quite exciting. This is the point in the show when I say, you're really going to want to make note of this show and tell your friends about it. Because this is, I've talked to Brian backstage, the founder of medicinebox.green. And it's just a, he's a, a wealth of information about cannabis, medicinal cannabis, and, and we're also going to have some conversations about hemp or CBD. And with a great attitude and everything is an old school herbalist that I, I like about people who grow and have respect for what they're doing in terms of growing really clean, high quality product for medicinals. And so this is a show where about 15 minutes to a half an hour after we're done, you can go to soundhealthportal.com, sorry, soundhealthoptions.com, and click on the radio tab, and then click on Sound Health Radio, and the replay link will be there with the show notes and the links to Brian's websites and other information. And or you'll be able to go into any of the podcast aggregators, meaning iTunes or Pocket Cast or Dog Catcher or... Google Play is coming around quite nicely. Um, Google Podcasts is actually what it's called. And you can search for Sherry Edwards, and any of the now little over 700 shows will show up there, and this will be at the top of the list. And this is one of those shows that people are going to want to hear again because there's a lot of information. And for anybody who is interested in cannabis but still has that old, old-school sort of reefer madness frame of cannabis, which was a lie to begin with, has great potential and is showing some really good results in conditions. And it's a plant. I'm an herbalist. I can't help it. It's a plant. So there's that. So you can find uh, this show there about a half hour. For the podcast aggregators, it's a half hour to 60 minutes, and you'll be able to typically find it there at any of the podcast feeds. Just search for Sherry Edwards. You may also be able to, in the newer podcast aggregators, you can search for Talk to Me Guy, all is one word, my handle, and you'll be able to find it there as well. In 2016, Brian Martello Chaplin started to conceptualize the ethos of medicinebox.green. You're needing to come out of the cannabis shadows and deliver a positive message with the vision that the majority of the humans across the globe shall replace the contents of their medicine cabinets with a cannabis health and wellness supplement. With Medicine Box, he bridges the gap between his passions and visions with creative grassroots business concepts. 
remaining true to the medicinal values of cannabis, the cultural and social dynamics of its evolution, Brian and his dedicated team navigate the many nuances of the cannabis movement. He consistently positions himself and the Evolving Medicine Box Company with the support of his team on the emerging trends of cannabis culture throughout the state of California. Brian joins us to talk about the vision of soil-to-oil cannabis production. Richard, good morning. Happy Sunday to you. You too. I'm going to sort of back into this. And sure thing. This, this question will make sense as soon as I say it. Why did you make the choice to be an outdoor grow company? Well, uh, outdoor growing is just one facet of the overall company. Uh, I started as an indoor grower back in Oakland uh, in 2009, and that's when things were still pretty underground, uh, starting to you know become a little bit more mainstream. That's where I learned my chops and decided to uh, move back up to the Sierras in Tahoe and, and, the, and the lower foothills of the Sierras in Nevada County and Grass Valley and just decided to continue learning the craft of cannabis cultivation. And that's what brought me you know, outside. Uh, that's what brought me into learning about soil and soil health soil biology, uh, the rhizosphere, uh, the principles of permaculture, and uh, really just uh, evolving through, you know, growing the beautiful plant that cannabis is. And year after year, you know, uh, I've done so many different experiments, which is, uh, you know, sometimes sacrilegious to cannabis growers. It's like what you just said about, you know, uh, the state or picking one time change and sticking with it. A lot of cannabis growers just stick with, you know, one way of growing because uh, we only have one shot and, and, and go with that. And I've done, you know, dozens of experiments to, to get to where I'm at now. And that's essentially what helped me, you know, design the, the brand ethos of, of medicine box. It really started, you know, being outside and, uh, with those principles of per- <clears throat> permaculture, and one of my favorites is working with nature and not against it. And you know, if you're mm. an indoor grower, you're you're really working you're working against nature in a way where you're trying to manipulate nature, and you're having everything in a controlled environment. Uh, that might work mm-hmm. for some people, but um, I really feel that nature and mother nature uh, is our best asset and is our best farmer and uh, you know the best uh, the best tool on on an outdoor farm is the shadow of the farmer himself mm-hmm. or herself mm-hmm. so that's how I see it and uh, there's nothing more enjoyable than being outside in the sun with the elements and the birds and the bees and uh, I was at the farm yesterday I had I hadn't been there since October. We've just had a massive winter up here in the Sierras. Um, I'm in North Lake Tahoe right now, and getting up and over Donner Pass has been a challenge for many of us here um, in, in Northern California. And 
went to the uh, R&D greenhouse yesterday, and it is absolutely gorgeous there. It was 65 degrees, and all the uh, the cover crop and the, the clover was full. A 2,500-square-foot greenhouse from wall to wall was just beaming with lush green vegetation, and uh, it's, it's a nice sign to see that that our soil is absolutely healthy. So um, had a nice day out the farm yesterday. See, and I, I, I think that's an amazing thing right there, that just the idea of the permaculture approach, which I'll ask a question about permaculture in a second, but what you just said there about having a cover crop that you grow with a purpose to nutrify the soil, to turn under and nutrify the soil, is such a different approach than the people who are in controlled, severely controlled grows, where it's all indoor and it's artificial light and everything's pumped and timed and monitored. And there's mm-hmm. no, in a certain way to me, again, being an old herbalist, old and an herbalist, um, that it takes you away from relationship with the earth. Absolutely. Which is what you're doing. You're actually working with the cycles of the earth and in relationship to the planet where we get the product from. So you're engaged. You're engaged with the earth in that process, and I think that's an amazing thing. And is that – talk a little bit about permaculture because that's where I'm familiar with it. But give us a little bit of information about permaculture because it's, a, it's that approach, I think. Yeah, I mean, we could spend multiple podcasts on on permaculture, but um, it's, it's uh, I like to look at permaculture as permanent culture, right? Um, you know, 200 years ago, 90% of Americans worked on farms. You know, let that register a little bit. 90% of Americans worked on farms 200 years ago. Now it is less than 2%. And most of those farms are big ag and conventional agriculture, and which you hit the nail on the head when you said controlled environment. Even conventional agriculture and big ag really takes us away from the land because we're manipulating growth cycles. Permaculture actually has you working with nature, not against it. We reap what we sow. We use uh, nature cycles. Um, We use all the materials that we can find on the farm to have a closed loop system. And with the soil, um, I'm I'm big on the soil health. uh, And many Cultivators, whether indoor or outdoor, uh, actually spend money on replenishing their soil year after year. Um, they're spending, you know, upwards to thirty to forty thousand dollars every cycle on buying wow. new soil because the soil is so depleted from the nutrients and the synthetic uh, fertilizers that they put into the soil. So naturally, let's just, you know, start over and, and, and buy fresh soil. So. By going to my greenhouse yesterday and seeing how lush the clover was, uh, it's a clear indication that the soil is healthy. And that, that those are the little facets of permaculture that you can see. You're using uh, other uh, materials on the farm to um, bolster 
the growth of the yield that you're trying to produce. And um, we like to add to the soil year after year. And I like to make this funny joke all the time. Like uh, from a bookkeeping uh, perspective, uh, our soil actually appreciates in value year after year, and it doesn't depreciate because we're, you know, we're adding uh, different amendments to it, you know, back guano, seabird guano, uh, insect frass, humic acid, compost, worm castings. And if we're doing that throughout the growth cycle, we're accomplishing two objectives. We're not just accomplishing a yield. We're actually building our soil at the same time. So we're keeping the, the soil healthy while we're accomplishing the objective of growing clean, consistent cannabis. So if we're feeding the soil, we're naturally feeding the plant. And I think the difference between permaculture and more conventional farming techniques is uh, people lose sight of the fact that they, they're not feeding the soil, but they're feeding the plant. So indoor growers are constantly just pushing, 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 pushing to, to feed the plant, which takes us away from all the other um, facets around in that environment. So feed the soil, and the soil naturally feeds the plant. Um, it's pretty simple, really, if you look at it that way. And so that means in the in the really big picture of thing in the uh, in the old days it would be the Disney pixelated segment uh, over a hundred years let's pretend that if your greenhouses and your grow were to go away the place where you were producing your growing your plants would actually be the happy healthy butterflies and deer the microbiome of the soil would be improved by your product being grown there versus depleted by what I'll call the industrial side of production, where people really just it's all go, go, go all the time. There's never any time mm-hmm. for the earth itself to cycle in and have get receive and give. It's a given. Absolutely. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. In a, in a really controlled grow, where they are using chemicals and fertilizers to revitalize the, the soil or to pretend to revitalize the soil or to at least give the plants enough to grow to make a product, it seems like they're producing, again, as an herbalist, I think of whole plant medicine, they're producing mm-hmm. a, a more stressed out plant and perhaps not as high a quality product, A, and that means that if they're using a chemical fertilizer, that product is then based on a chemical fertilizer, not an actual organic, as you said, back guano and bird guano and crickets and soil amendments and that are really naturally part of the process. Am I reading that wrong, or I'm not trying to be mean to anybody, but it just seems like yeah, no, yikes. It's, uh, yeah, yikes. Uh, you know, it's this conversation. It's a it's a hot topic because everyone has a different way of cultivating, and everyone shares you know some of the same basics, but different techniques and. The, the the old adage of like indoor growing versus outdoor growing and synthetics versus organics, um, you know, is always been, you know, it's, it's, it'll be a debate to the end of time, in, in my opinion. But I also think that just on the historical context and the cultural context of 
cannabis cultivation, um, you know, when indoor cultivation started, it was really to be uh, to hide from authorities. Uh, you know, up in up in the Emerald Triangle, uh, back in the, the back to the landers, you know, the days in the late 60s and, and early 70s, cannabis was growing freely outdoors, and it wasn't until you know the 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 feds started to raid some of these farms that it really pushed cannabis cultivation inside where it was a bit safer, and, and that's really how uh, indoor cultivation has innovated. And you always hear that, you know, old-timers like yourself, Richard, that uh, the, the cannabis back in that day was less potent than it is now. And cultivation of the cannabis plant has really, uh, over the years, focused on THC as the only metric of making cannabis plant uh, exciting. I think is a good word for it. Uh, mm-hmm. And the fact that, you know, the, these even breeders, you know, it's like breeding strains to have over, you know, 23% THC. I mean, that's pretty low today. I mean, there's there's uh, cannabis genetics that are getting bred up to, you know, 28% and even over 30%. And we, we lost Somewhere along the lines, we lost sight of that whole plant that, that whole plant that you're talking about. That THC isn't the only metric to measure the health and uh, overall. Um, I think the, the overall kind of well-being of, of the cannabis um, plant that they're growing. So somewhere along those lines, when you know cannabis cultivation was forced underground or inside. Uh, that's when the cannabis plants started to increase in THC. And then, you know, as things evolve and as people are misinformed that, you know, oh, I have, you know, I'm growing a, a cannabis genetic that's 25% and you're only growing one that's 17%, mine must be better because it has, you know, 8% more THC. But the person with, you know, 17% THC, might have a variety of other cannabinoids or a, a really, you know, robust terpene profile in there. And that's kind of where we're at today. You know, there's all these new, you know, cannabinoids coming out that we're experimenting with CBN, CBG, CBD is it, you know, that's a, that's a whole other podcast, uh, you know, and, and now terpenes are becoming more known to a consumer base or, even, you know, cultivators like myself, you know, we're discovering um, how these terpenes interplay with each other and how these, uh, the range of cannabinoids play with one another. And that's really whole plant. And whole plant, or the you hear the entourage effect a lot, the entourage effect really is just whole plant. And if, if the, the, you're treating the whole plant, but your whole systems, right, to have a holistic way of looking at your cultivation and your infrastructure of how you're growing that plant that now now we just really circled all the way back into permaculture and soil health and the biome of creating a whole plant dynamic that can be used to target certain ailments with medicinal cannabis 
I may have lost some people there, but um, it's really just looking at it as a whole systems approach and not just, you know, uh, trying to target, you know, the, the cannabis plant and push it, push it, push it, push it to really just squeeze out as much THC as possible. And I think consumers now, uh, responsible cultivators now, and folks that are really looking at the uh, differences and the nuances of medicinal versus recreational, uh, that the cannabis plant has hundreds and maybe even thousands of different uses um, for the human aspect. Well, and I think part of it, we talked a little bit about this backstage. As as an herbalist, I always think of, as you say, now it's called the entourage effect. I think of it as whole plant. That there was that direction in the, I don't know when exactly it was, let's say early 1900s, when the pharmacopoeia, which was the compounding book for a pharmacist, and what that means is basically a recipe book for a pharmacist to produce something. And so they'd take valerian root and they'd extract it out and they'd make Valium. Or they'd mm-hmm. take uh, belladonna and they'd extract out just the specific substance that is beneficial for the heart rather than having it as a whole plant medicine. And I, so I'm always suspect, this is a personal thing, that when we start isolating things, when we start taking things away, as you say, when people, when we first started working with cannabis medicinally, I, I think they're compounds, and it seems to be coming true now more and more. Like you say, CBG, I'm hearing acronyms I've never heard before about cannabis. And I think part of the reason, that's one of the reasons I'm always advocating for a whole plant approach, because I think we're going to continue to discover things that we might not know ever. Little tiny compounds that may not seem like very much, that may have a really positive effect in that whole plant medicine or Mm -hmm. entourage effect of an herb. So that's why I have such respect for the kind of quality that you produce, that it is a whole plant whole earth approach to growing a product that you it, it's you're growing to make the best product you possibly can therefore to me it seems it's going to have the broadest spectrum of possible benefacting effects we don't know yet necessarily what all those are but let's go with using them all what do we think everybody whole plant medicine i love that part yeah yeah and you know and it goes back to you know we can since you opened up with you know, permaculture, we can trace all that back to permaculture and, and working with nature, not against it, you know, and the fact that nature is beautifully chaotic. If you look out at nature, I'm staring at trees right now and snow-covered mountains and, and the lake, um, and if we really think about it, nature is always self-regulating, right? It's always taking care of itself. And even in the midst of, you know, destruction of earthquakes and tornadoes and hurricanes and massive snowstorms that we've had out up here and, and, and the fires that we, we saw in Malibu and, and Paradise um, in the fall, that nature always has its way of rebalancing itself. So if we're taking something out of nature, like the cannabis plant has been around for thousands and maybe tens of thousands of years. Um, and we're giving it the 
um, environment that it needs to grow in, in its own natural habitat. Practically speaking, and maybe philosophically, and maybe even spiritually speaking, that um, I'd like to believe that that plant is going to give its absolute best um, at the end of its cycle for what we need it for. Um, and that that's just um, that's just my own humble opinion. But nature is a uh, if, if you treat nature the way it should be treated, it's going to give back to you exponentially. And that's part of the entourage effect. You know that the entourage effect is it's uh, exponentially more effective than the sum of its parts when you have all these cannabinoids working together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, that's I really you know that that's really the soil. That's sorry. That's really the soil to oil, you know, philosophy in a nutshell, right there. Is that is if you're if you're treat it's soil to oil is complete quality control throughout the supply chain while delivering the culture cultural and social dynamics to the end consumer. But if you're starting all the way back in your soil and you're treating the soil as a living input, then your output of these cannabinoids is going to be exponentially greater than just the little molecule of THC. It's it's Mm -hmm. way more than that. Um, And there's a lot of trends that are happening right now. I don't know if we want to talk... I don't know if that's the territory we want to get in on this call, but the whole, you know, hemp CBD versus cannabis CBD and CBD isolate and, you know, take CBD isolate from hemp and it will solve all your problems. Um, You know, there's a lot of greenwashing out there or even weed washing is a term that I've heard. Um, And I really think that, you know, part of what Medicine Box does really well is we stay true to the the dynamics of the plant and whole plant medicine. We like to stay. I, I like to think of it as we stay in our own lane. You know, we're in this like we're in this lane of whole plant medicine, and like you know, even though we can't go across state lines or uh, with that, and there's this massive trend and this just crazy, like misinformed consumer base. And I think misinformed even producers and operators of CBD coming from, from the hemp plant. Um, And it's easy to look kind of left and right out of our lane and be like, well, uh, I don't know, maybe we could do that. Uh, And I quickly retract back into looking forward with the vision that, whole plant medicine as a cannabis health and wellness supplement um, will eventually be the trend, or not even the trend, I think it will be the norm. Um, and that's the vision that I've had with Medicine Box over you know, three years ago when I really started to learn about whole plant medicine and the entourage effect that you know I don't need to take an 80 milligram Advil every day for my you know, lower back pain. I can take five to ten milligrams of, you know, cannabinoids uh, that has been developed into a a uh, cannabis product and move forward that way with my, you know, health and wellness program. Mm-hmm. I have a. I, we're going to take a short break for our sponsor, but I have a definite. Uh, <laughs> this is a lead for a long conversation, I suspect. But I have a follow-up question to that. Hold on, just one moment. 
soundhealthportal.com. The body's vocal indicators move with every frequency set that goes from your brain to any part of your body. We have a Dr. Russ Rudy who came to us on a scooter. He had multiple sclerosis. Frequencies of his nerves were dead from the waist down. I'm speaking as a physician and a patient. Uh, I went down the medical road first. I didn't get any answers that were acceptable to me. You know, when they hear something like, I'm going to listen to you speak, and I'm going to analyze, and I'm going to play tones for you to make you better, it just sounds so foreign to what we're expecting. And it took us from November of one year to May of the next, and it regrew the nerves from his waist down. So now we can believe it because it was science. I, I've seen it work in so many cases. Oh, I'm proof of it. I mean, nobody, nobody five or six years ago would expect me to be doing what I am today. Join us at soundhealthportal.com. So things that are out there that we don't have very good treatment for, why shouldn't they be allowed to try something different? So I'll ask my follow-up question this way. I'll make it, I'll make it about me. Um, I want to get the benefits of CBD and THC, but I don't want to be high or stoned. But I really, I really like the value of what both bring, and mm-hmm. particularly some of the value of the CBD, the immune support. I think eventually down the road, again, I'll speak as an herbalist, eventually down the road, I think we'll find that there's a term called adaptogen which means that if you take an herb such as ginseng as a classic adaptogen, meaning that if you have a, a situation or a condition that's hypo, meaning too low, or hyper, meaning too high, an adaptogen helps bring it into homeostasis or balance. Mm. And I, Love that I, think eventually, yeah, I think eventually we will find that cannabis is a whole plant species, meaning the THC side and the CBD side, is an adaptogen. That it really, mm-hmm. in 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 good dosing, not you know, that's a whole other show, not excessive dosing, but you know, in good balanced dosing, I think we'll find it's an adaptogen. So I'm really looking for that benefit, and I too have lower back issues, uh, so I'm looking for that tonic pain relief. Tonic is a long-term beneficial effect, also an herbal term, and so the idea of using CBD and THC in combination is great because I believe in that entourage or whole plant medicine effect. So talk about that. Talk more about that. What I, well, I'll phrase it in hemp versus marijuana, but I know it's not really a versus, but I think that people think of it that way a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I, first of all, I love, I love the fact that you're an herbalist and a former herbalist because every time we talk, Richard, I, I, I learn some new things or, I hear some things that, oh, yeah, I remember that. Um, and you said the word homeostasis. And homeostasis is <clears throat> such a great word. And it can really um, go, it, it, it can really circle, you know, the, the, the whole plant medicine concept. And it's not CBD versus THC. It's CBD and THC. You know, I think that culturally speaking it's really dividing this whole cannabis community or this cannabis movement if we're looking at it cbd is good thc bad you know i think cbd uh you know that just 
let's push all these resources behind CBD and you know and push that out with marketing and and, and advertisements that CBD is um, going to heal you. It's going to solve all your health issues, but THC is just going to get you high, and you shouldn't, you know, ingest any THC. And there's still a lot of propaganda and stigma and, and fear-based uh, tactics around uh, educating people on THC. But if we look at it as a, um, I think we need to be more interconnected, inclusive, and impactful when we look at cannabis right now and when we're looking at hemp right now and make sure we have our, our facts straight. And I myself, I don't have all the answers and I don't have all the facts. I'm not a doctor and I'm not a scientist. I'm just really passionate about what I do. And I've seen the results of whole plant medicine for myself. Um, I've seen the results of whole plant medicine for other people in my life that were uh, not believers of cannabis and started to take you know, some of the, the tinctures that uh, we make. Um, and it's amazing. My mom, my dad, uh, my my uncle, <laughs> lots of friends, lots of other family members um, that are now utilizing some of this medicine for their everyday needs. And, um, you know, back to homeostasis, uh, our product, and, and not to shamelessly promote our, you know, equanimity um, tincture, uh, the name of the tincture is Equanimity, and it's designed to have a very calming, relaxing, and even a fantastic uh, a sleep complement. So we blend that with a extract of an indica plant that we have cultivated and bred some of the genetics on our farm. Um, we blend that with lemon balm, chamomile, valerian, skullcap, and catnip, licorice, and hawthorn berry. And if you look at what all those herbs do, they all have a very uh, synergistic effect in the way they soothe us, and they're mild sedatives. You know, valerian root you mentioned earlier is like you can isolate the compounds out of there and create Valium, and most people know what Valium does. Uh, so we like to blend all of those together in different ratios with the cannabinoid content of the um, of the indica plant indica, indica genetics and the fantastic terpenes that are expressed in that uh, particular uh, cannabis genetic uh, linalool is one of them uh, linalool is the common terpene that is found in lavender and I think from practically speaking in layman terms most people associate lavender with a very soothing effect um, bisabolo, uh, beta-carapaline, and then, of course, myrcene. And myrcene is very uh, the most common terpene found in indica. And myrcene is what gives um, you that, you know, you've heard couch lock or that very mellow feeling <laughs> when you take an indica plant and you just soak into your couch. You're not really wanting to do anything else. Um, so all that, there's a lot of ingredients that go into that one 30 milliliter bottle of, of medicine um, where some of the other products that are out there it's just CBD isolate blended with some sort of oil whether it's uh, 
fractionated coconut oil or olive oil or propylene glycol or whatever the medium is. And that's the extent of the efficacy of that product. So we've found, we've done so many different experiments with this combination um, and he even added herbs in there. We've omitted herbs. Uh, we've dropped the ratios down. Uh, we're probably up to, you know, product 5.0 right now and we'll be re-releasing the equanimity tincture back into the market here by hopefully next month when our manufacturing facility opens its doors. But uh, I named that product equanimity because it was my mentor's uh, favorite word. Uh, my, my mentor who has recently passed in, in July, but he... 50 years in, in cannabis and breeding and whole plant medicine. He studied with the uh, Native Americans and the Sioux tribe on um, different herbs and botanicals. But he really turned my whole world around on the dynamics of the cannabis plant. And equanimity was his favorite word. So equanimity, grace under pressure, or balance in all things, and balance in body, mind, and spirit. And if I can be calm, I have a much better chance at being relaxed. If I can relax, I can have a much better chance at falling asleep. And if I sleep well, I'm going to wake up feeling refreshed. I'm going to suit up and show up for the day ahead. I'm going to be um, cognitively aware of myself and mindful of the people that are around me and my surroundings. And chances are, if I have link all of those together, I'm probably going to have a pretty good day. And if I can keep that kind of equanimity flow working in my life, um, I think I'm on a pretty good path of achieving holistic health and wellness and having an impact on the people around me by spreading that message. So um, that is also, you know, you mentioned homeostasis. It works as a regulator, all those herbs together. Um, if I'm sleeping well, I'm producing melatonin and serotonin. And if I have a healthy balance of serotonin in my life, I'm not out there trying to reach for uh, fat food, right? Salt, sugar, uh, fat. Um, I'm not looking for alcohol or other drugs to increase my dopamine levels. Um, and practically speaking, um, whole plant medicine really, I think, targets um, not health epidemics, but life, lifestyle epidemics. And one of the biggest I, lifestyle epidemic out there that I pay a lot of attention to, and I think we take for granted, and the American culture definitely takes it for granted, is sleep. And sleep is the basis of all healing, and lack of sleep is the basis for contributing to the larger health epidemics of obesity and, um, you know, irritability is a health epidemic in my opinion. Um, <laughs> obesity and, and you know, anxiety and inflammation and Alzheimer's. Uh, we just need to sleep better. And if we can sleep better as a culture, um, I think we're all going to get along a lot better. Um, we're we're going to be less irritable. We're going to be less frustrated. We'll, productivity will go up. Uh, productivity in your life, your work 
your workplace. Uh, we're going to be a little kinder to each other. Uh, we'll ho hopefully make the world a little kinder. And um, really, that's, again, all the way back to permaculture, permanent culture, closed-loop system. So if we're you know, looking at this as a holistic approach um, to life and you know, mindfulness, instead of just, okay, we're isolating one simple compound so we can target anxiety, or we can target pain, or we can target um, depression. I just like to look at it as I can target sleep, and then my body is in homeostasis and it's self-regulating itself. So um, that that's a little snippet of whole plant medicine, but without the science. And again, I'm not a doctor and I'm not a scientist. I just look at things very practically speaking. And uh, a good uh, mentor, teacher, friend of mine, um, Steve Havel, um, when I explained all this to him, he, he summed it up best and he said, you make products and you deliver the message in a very practical form. So looking at it as practical forms of healing oneself. And that's all part of the toolbox, the overall toolbox of the entourage effects. So if I'm taking whole plant medicine, I can meditate or have a mindfulness practice or eat well. Um, I'm doing pretty good, right? And then I don't have to depend on pharmaceuticals. And I don't have to depend on Ambien to help me sleep. I don't have to depend on, you know, Prozac or Zoloft to give me the illusion that I'm happy or any of the other benzos um, that are anti-anxiety medication like Xanax and, you know, Valium and all those other things. When I can just be a little bit more gentle to myself and utilize something that we call whole plant medicine. And there's so much to learn within that concept. And like you said, uh, Richard, there's, you know, we, we still don't even really know all the other cannabinoids out there and what, um, what they can do to us as a human culture and we're getting back to the getting back to the plant. We're a lot more like plants than we think we are. So um, that's the exciting part about my work that I do and, and, and my team does is uh, that there is no really end sight in in cannabis as a as a medicine and, and practical form of healing. Um, it's a lifelong discovery. And as I like to say, it's an exploratory adventure. Every day is an adventure, and we're learning new things constantly. So, mm -hmm. and and I don't want to get too uh, well. It's too late. Uh, I'm going to get too out, far out there for a moment. Uh, one of the things that I, do. I respect your <laughs> I respect your work for is that back to we don't know everything that a plant may have in it. So let's not isolate those things and just go. This is the thing that works. No, I, I don't believe in that. I believe in let's have a whole plant approach. And one of the things that you do in, in how you grow and in the permacultural relationship to the earth is I think that we also get the spiritual benefit of using a plant extract or a plant medicine that is derived from that way of thinking because it, it 
brings us back into relationship with the earth because so many of us are spinning, you know, every day is go, 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 run, do, you know, this, that, text, emails, just everything. And, and I think being in relationship with the earth is a good thing, always, because it's the only one we've got in spite of what Elon Musk wants to do and take us to Mars. And I'm really <laughs> moderately dishing on Elon, but not really. Uh, you know, this is the planet we're on. This is the planet we have. Let's be in relationship to it. What do you think? Yeah. Wow. What, yeah, what do you think? Maybe if we were related to it, we wouldn't be so willing to hurt it because eventually yeah. that's going to come bite us in the butt. So right. there's that. And, you summed that and up then quite I, nicely. <laughs> thank you. Um, I want you to say a little bit about – you used the term isolates. And I just want you to mm-hmm. clarify for listeners that aren't familiar with what that means in terms mm-hmm. of, of cannabis. Uh, in pharmaceutical world, isolates are single compounds where they extract. So what does it mean in the, in the cannabis world? Because there is a lot of – I see a trend of a lot of producers going, you know, we're making isolates because this is it. And so what is an isolate? No, an isolate simply is it's just one uh, com- component or compound of – the particular plant that you are extracting. So uh, you hear the term THC isolate or distillate, and that essentially is extracted with a solvent or solvent lists and the uh, two different uh, production, or the com- most common productions of doing that is uh, through ethanol or CO2 extraction. And all that is doing um, just in layman terms is you are squeezing out everything in the plant to get the one compound that you want. So in this case, THC. So um, you're basically extracting out all the fats and the lipids and the chlorophyll and even the good stuff, the cannabinoids uh, that are in the you know, starting material. The, the whole plant to get that THC um, to as high as possible, pun intended. So, you know, upwards to 90% plus uh, wow. THC in that distillate. And then as far from CBD, um, CBD isolate is derived from right now, what you're a consumer, if anyone's listening, um, you're able to get CBD isolate in gas stations or Whole Foods or your local market or, you know, online, um, for it to be legally considered hemp, it has to have less than 0.3% THC. So the hemp plant generates less than 0.3% THC. So very low THC, high CBD. So um, when the CBD, sorry, when the hemp plant um, is being extracted, it is to get the CBD isolate, the high percentage of CBD out of that, and as low THC as possible. So now you have CBD isolate on one side spectrum and then THC isolate on the other side. And a lot of, you know, vape pens, edibles, um, mostly vape pens and, and edibles are made with THC distillate or isolate because marketing, you know, most people think that the metrics of, you know, measuring how high the THC is, is the only metric. Or, you know, the 
CBD, just the term CBD. My friend and I uh, in L.A. this past week were laughing. We were calling them CBD zombies because everyone's like, can, where can I get my CBD? Where can I get my, C- my CBD? My CBD? And no one has really given themselves the chance to just maybe sit down and, and be a discerning consumer and educate themselves or some most of the operators aren't self-regulating or spreading the, the right message. And I really think that there's a lot of operators out there, maybe this is judgmental, that uh, don't even really know the differences. Uh, and they're just focused on dollar signs. And that's, you know, that, that, that's kind of sad, really. Um, so hopefully, you know, this conversation we had today, Richard, uh, you know, is impactful and inclusive and interconnected. And those are all some of the principles of permaculture that I like to incorporate into my own life uh, and being mm-hmm. a whole, you know, I'll take that whole systems approach and, and really work a positive, a positive feedback loop um, and not these, you know, negative feedback loops that we as humans can get caught up in. So uh, if anyone's right. listening out there, I, I appreciate it wholeheartedly at, you know, 9, 9 a.m. on a Sunday morning, um, that do your research. Be a discerning consumer. Question everything. Know your farmer. Uh, know your operator. Look at different, you know, brands out there that actually have value systems, um, brands and companies that, as Richard said, you know, are connected back to nature, um, that are being good, you know, environmental stewards. Um, Because if you're connected to nature, it's going to show whether or not you're reading a blog, uh, listening to a podcast, listening to a radio show, or utilizing a product um, for your own health and wellness. That's the whole system approach, and bam, that's permaculture. Yeah. yeah. And I already, I already knew going in that we were going to have a part two show, so <laughs> we we have a lot of other yeah. areas I'd like to cover. But I want. I was to just getting about, warmed up. <laughs> I know, I know. This is yeah. This is just the preamble to the you know we're really a number of shows. Um, you have a really great education section where you talk about what is mindful cannabis consumption. And I'd like to, and I'd like you to, if you can, for the last eight minutes we have, talk about microdosing, which I'm a yeah. huge fan of, and the what is mindful cannabis consumption. And I'm putting that link in the show notes so people can find that as I refer to it. Right. Um, okay. So eight minutes or less on that uh, mindful cannabis consumption um, essentially is. Mindfulness essentially is paying attention, right? It's something I've had, I've struggled with all my life, paying attention, you know, self-proclaimed child with ADD. Uh, But mindfulness incorporated in my own life is paying attention and not only paying attention to myself, but bringing awareness to my surroundings and awareness to what I'm putting in my body, um, awareness what I'm saying to others, awareness to listening, and listening is a big one paying attention and listening to what other people have to say, but also listening to what my body wants. And taking a mindful uh, cannabis consumption approach is, let's take a tincture, for example. A tincture is sublingual. So it's, uh, you know, it's a drop in your mouth. It's absorbed through the 
capillaries in your mouth and it goes immediately into your bloodstream. Um, so if you're taking that and you have, there's a, you, sublingual has a much larger bioavailability than smoking or eating or rubbing a topical or um, intravenous. So if you think of, you know, an intravenous shot goes immediately into your bloodstream, that's 100% bioavailability. When I give my very practical ways of mindful cannabis consumption on guiding someone and taking a tincture for the first time, it's very basic. And I think this is what us humans forget. We're so plugged in all the time. On our phone, we have busy lives. We have social media accounts to deal with. Uh, we have emails to deal with all the time that we forget that it's okay to just sit down and do nothing because sitting down and doing nothing is just as much as doing something. So paying attention to your surroundings when you take cannabis. What has gone on in your day? Was it a stressful day? Did you sleep well the night before? Um, what have you put in your body for food? Are you hydrated? Are you dehydrated? Did you have seven cups of coffee today opposed to your one? You know, what has uh, the, taken that whole systems approach to what you've done to your, your body and what is going around around you in taking this medicine? And what is the intention of taking the medicine? Are you doing it to calm yourself down? Are you doing it to go to sleep? Um, are you doing it just to chill out and check out? Because that's fine too. Um, and taking a proactive approach, and this is, I think this really sums it up nicely, is you're taking a proactive approach versus the reactive approach. And our society has been so ingrained on this reactive approach um, for many decades now, and especially uh, with the advent of, you know, technology. You know, it's instant gratification all around us. You know, social media posts. I want 100 likes. I want 200 likes. I want 500 more followers. That's very reactive. Um, I think, you know, it's, an, it's become a noble struggle. Most of us have this overdeveloped active mind and a very underdeveloped receptive mind. So if we are taking that's that's straight out of, you know, uh, mindfulness right there is having an underdeveloped receptive mind. So let's be receptive to what we're putting into our body as it can help us not like, oh my goodness, I've had a extremely stressful day and I'm full of anxiety and now I'm going to react and grab a glass of wine or grab a beer or grab a cocktail or, you know, smoke a joint. That's very, that's very reactive in my mind. So um, mindful cannabis is just paying attention to everything that's going on with you, uh, not just doing it kind of blindly. So uh, microdosing, um, you know, I don't believe that our endocannabinoid system or receptors can handle more than 20 milligrams of cannabinoids at a time. So microdosing essentially is taking small amounts of cannabis over a longer period of time. So if you're taking two and a half to five milligrams 
per day, uh, that's microdosing. Um, macrodosing would be, you know, eating a 80 to, you know, 200 milligram edible. And there are acute cases for that. There's a lot of people out there in, you know, that have, uh, that are in a lot of pain uh, that are, you know, cancer patients or AIDS patients that need high levels of cannabis um, and even children that have epilepsy that need high levels of cannabis. But for a very, you know, basic mindful approach, two and a half to five milligrams per day at the same time every day while paying attention to your body and your surroundings, that's a mindful approach. That's taking a proactive stance on your holistic health and wellness. And you're developing a relationship with those cannabinoids over time. And as you're developing a relationship, you're developing routines and rituals as well. And if you're developing routines and rituals as well, you're becoming a much more mindful person walking this earth one day at a time. Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> That's for sure. Wow. Um, what was that? What, what did you say? What was the amount? I missed that because I was making a note. What did you say that you're, you don't feel we can use more than how much per day? How many milligrams per day? I think at one time, 20, you know, 20 milligrams. Okay. okay. Yeah, and there's there is scientific anecdotal, you know, evidence out there with, you know, if you look into the uh, Society of Cannabis Clinicians, they have a lot of data on, you know, different ailments that they've um, treated patients with uh, from, you know, children with epilepsy to cancer patients and, you know, people in recovery uh, and there, it's every you know. Think about this too: is that every everybody is different, just as every body is different. So you might need, you know, seven and a half milligrams, Richard, to you know fall asleep, and I might need only need five. We're different people, um, and that reactive approach of you know maybe pharmaceuticals is really just treating a, a symptom. It's not getting underneath the surface of what we're trying to achieve. That's such a boy, have I got a whole other hour to talk about that. Um, okay. <laughs> we'll be talking immediately about rescheduling in the next show. Um, that was really great, Brian. I knew it would be a good conversation and it really is really great foundational information for part two and more yeah. perhaps because we, we haven't even we talked touched, about limonenes or terpenes or you know there's so yeah. many areas that we can go into um, I know but I think that that really that that part again the every body and every body is different is such a missing piece in traditional approach to the pharmaceutical paradigm that that right. is so true and such a powerful thing for people to think about is we all need to tune in, as you say, that mindful part of actually pause for a moment and maybe close your eyes as you take it and sort of engage in the being proactive of what you're doing for your system. I think it's a very powerful thing. That's great. 
and I hope uh, for, anyone listening uh, out there can and can take a mindful approach to their day and Sunday. Go just just go sit in nature, you know, close your eyes and let the sun hit your face or do the dishes and just do the dishes. Brush your teeth, just brush your teeth. Take a walk without your phone. Those are just all very simple things to incorporate into your life and, and build you know a mindful way of life. And they're so simple and they're such good tools. Really great tools. Um, and uh, so because I know people will be scurrying around, please tell us the name of your website and where they can get more information about you and your amazing products. Yeah, check out our website. It's uh, medicinebox.green. We are consistently pushing out blogs every week, at least three blogs a week. Uh, every Wednesday, we have a new blog. Um, they're really exciting. Uh, we're in the community aspect of of our you know blog themes. And then if you're on Instagram, uh, you can follow me at medicine underscore box and that's more of my personal Instagram page and you know it's all the, the fun things that I'm up to and uh, you can find the link to the website through that Instagram page as well but I definitely um, would appreciate you to read some of the blogs and tune in and sign up for our newsletter we do a, a monthly new moon newsletter filled with all kinds of morsels of information and uh, we should be back on the shelves with our fantastic equanimity whole plant tincture, uh, hopefully by May. The wheels of bureaucracy turn very slow, <laughs> but we're grinding through, and it's a, yeah. an exciting time to get it out there. So I appreciate everyone that's listened today. Great. Thank you so much, Brian, and uh, Thank you, we'll be talking again soon. Uh, everybody, have a great rest of the weekend. Go outside, walk the dog, enjoy nature, and uh, we'll yeah. talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Awesome, Richard. Bye.